So, you know, sometimes we all need a little encouragement. Yeah, I think we do. I think we need I think we need certificates for not pooping our pants. That's what I think. I'm suspiciously looking at my dog because I feel like she's going to have a good woof soon. She, like something, she's got that stillness right now. She's just like hanging there like, okay, maybe she's, maybe she's a pre-sit. Oh, she sat down. Maybe That's, she's just pre-sit and now she's like, okay, I'm going to sit. I'm gonna I just, just need something to bark at. Something about... So now she's scratching herself. <laughs> I think that's a diversion, though. She's, like, going to let loose here. I feel like she might let loose. Anyway, if you hear the dog bark, that's because she's sitting very suspiciously closely. <laughs> she, do you see how she eyes us Suspiciously closely. <laughs> no, no. It made sense to My me. mother is like, stop talking. My English teacher mother is like, stop talking. I didn't know your mom was an English teacher. Yes. Oh. That's why I'm a grammar snob. she never snob. let you end sentences with prepositions? Um. We no, she wasn't like that. Oh, okay. But you should see what she would do to your term paper. Oh God. It would just come back red. My brother and I would be like, Well, mom destroyed another one of my papers. <laughs> my grandma was a principal for many years. Okay. And prior to that she was a school teacher. And um she would always whenever we ended a sentence, she wasn't English, it was just education. And I even looked up her dissertation. In, wow, that's when I cool. I was in grad school, and I was like, them's my grandma's words. It was really cool. That's really cool. cool. But anyway, she would never let us end sentences with prepositions, but she had a great solution to it. And that was, she said, if somebody says, where are you at? You just add asshole to the end of it. <laughs> where are you at, asshole? <laughs> I love that. That's like the, and she, is this the one that lives, that lived in Wapapello? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And when I addressed the wedding invitations to Dr. and Mr. That's awesome. Dr. and Mr. Shirley Schweitzer. That's what it was. That's really that's the cool. etiquette. It was really weird. I had to look it up. So doctor, doctor comes before comes, the husband? Yeah. Isn't that... That's super cool. Doesn't that say a lot about society? Yeah. Because it's Dr. and Mr. Okay. Shirley Schweitzer was her name. That was... I mean, it was wild. Yeah. Mr. Shirley Schweitzer. Mr. <laughs> Who wears that pants now, bitch? Exactly. <laughs> that was a mouthful, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about, we're extending the things we've done, whoring for $100. Because <laughs> we have so many more things. We have so done. many more things from the last time that we've we talked. We've been whores many times. And then I think we're going to talk about some adjunct teaching. Yep. The magic that is not adjunct And I'm going to remain anonymous when we speak about that. That's going to be really hard for me, but I will do the same. Yes. Okay. And then in our next episode, we're going to not bitch. Audra <laughs> 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 sent me a list of these just magical topics that we can talk about that were so encouraging and positive. And I said that I just want to bitch about adjunct teaching for a while. We can do all so the we'll things. Just, yep. We have no lot, rules. We have a lot, a long ways to go. Right. So, just gonna, a lot of conversations to have and record. And that people need to understand. <laughs> They're just going to do this thing where we record ourselves talking. That's right. Yeah. And other people do it. And you saw that we're reaching people. We're reaching some people that making some laughs, I yeah, guess. And I, I, I think we should read this so everybody knows what we're talking about. Yes. So I'm going to pull this up. Yes. I just thought it was really succinct, what she said. I did, too. And it spoke to me in a way that nothing else has all week. Thank you, yes. Daisha. 
And that is... Oh, the... Um, the little comment. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see here. I I'm, have to scroll past my son's potty training congratulatory <laughs> post. It's so fantastic. <laughs> right. The next post I have... <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> I okay. just thought God I want to report God for not shitting my pants <laughs> My son is officially potty trained I just And I had to share about it naturally on social media oh. Because that's the kind of mother I am I really and tickled myself with that Of course you know what was funny was the second That I posted that The second that I posted that <laughs> She's still laughing. She's I'm still dying. Myself. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. Uh, the second I posted that, Corbin goes, I have to. So he has this way of saying he has to go number two. And that is, I have to change poopy diaper, okay. which means that he has to go poop. But he won't do it in his underwear. And he does not, still doesn't really like doing it on the potty. And we had the most epic battle with it yesterday. <laughs> I wish that I had had oh. it recorded. But it was like the second that I posted that, you know, that he's potty trained. And, and then he like, just held it in and cried and wailed and would not sit down. And I kept encouraging him to. Yeah. And then he finally, finally, when he couldn't hold it anymore, I said, you can just let it go standing up. It's okay, son. And he got down on the potty and let it out. And it was, I, swear, I kid you not, like a golf ball, like a round and I was Aww. like, you held that inside of you. And then when we were done, <laughs> when we like were done, I'm sorry, it was like round, you know, yeah. one of those painful poops. This is just like holding yeah, it. Yeah, and he was holding it. And then when we were done, I said, yay, good job. And, and we were both so congratulatory. He gets an ice pop, you know. Yeah. And then when he, the whole rest of the evening, I went pooping the potty. I the best. <laughs> yes, awesome. <yeah. laughs> so, you know, sometimes we all need a little encouragement. Yeah, I think we do. I think we need... I think we need certificates for not pooping our pants. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't put it past 2020. That yeah. is. <laughs> no. We all need that. Okay, so Daisha says, I listened to both of your episodes last night. I've been struggling with a lot of things lately, but these were a bright spot in my day. Please keep making episodes. These are fantastic. It, thank, thank you, you Daisha. Daisha. That's so sweet of you. And girl, we all struggle. Amen and, to that. And if we are a bright spot in your day, then... <laughs> And we're a lot of sing. There are, we're a lot of singers who aren't singing. Yeah. We're not in our choirs, and we're not. We're not emoting and yeah, like looking people in the eye. Yeah. That's why when you said I said we could try this on Zoom, or we could try this on, like auto. What do I want? Yeah, to like say? audio. Right, clean, just clean the audio. Whatever. But there's something magical about having the face-to-face -face conversation yes. in real time, which was why I was like, let's try a couple in person and distance outside. Yeah, and we've got weather on our side for a minute, and I kind of feel like the fire pit's going to be real nice when it gets too chilly. Yes, it just is. Just crank out that fire pit. It's I want to get right one now. of those heat lamps. Yes. That are like the propane, like tall, mm -hmm. like the the places that outdoor seating will have you'll have like out at a bar or something yes. like out on the patio i want one of those so bad uh-huh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i can see why you do and 2020 is the year to buy it because if we're gonna have to continue to socially distance outside yeah then we're gonna make it work so yeah okay so do we want to start with adjunct teaching uh things we were whoring ourselves for okay that's where we do were that first okay yeah we went down like a, a windy road there yeah but we we're did. back that's okay We've come full circle. Okay, so um, <clears throat> it's not musical, but for a hot second in the year 2008, I substitute taught, and it was the worst. Um, I, I shouldn't say it wasn't, the, and actually I want to preface this entire episode by saying that I am grateful for work. 
Like I'm not, I know, I realize that it's a very privileged position to be able to say, here's adjunct teaching and here's why I left it. And here's substitute teaching and here's why right. I left it. I, I understand that <clears throat> it's a privilege to, I'm grateful that I had those experiences and that I have work even remotely related to my field. So I'll just preface that and put that out there, you know, um, so nobody thinks that I'm just a whiny bitch. (laughs) 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 But, okay, I bring you back to the year 2008. I graduated in December, so it was kind of a weird, it was like in the middle of of an academic year. Okay. So I took an extra semester to just be a human and take less than 20 credit hours. Mm Mm-hmm in my my undergrad degree and then so I because I graduated in 2008 it was like the middle of a recession Uh uh-huh no work to be had and I started up the studio or actually continued teaching privately in the studio and which I was grateful to have but man I just remember sitting down and crunching the numbers and being like I'm either gonna need to take on these number of students which at the time felt very like overwhelming to like look at a number and be like oh my god I have to have 25 students to Uh make this work and now I'm like please no more than 12 like I just don't (laughs) I don't want to take on that kind of work but you know when you're fresh out of college and you face that um the exit counseling for the loan work that you know uh and you sit down and you look at that number and it's just so overwhelming but I I decided to, to take on some substitute work during because that was work that I could do during the day. Right. It was work for me to get into the local public school system. Mm-hmm. It was work that I could be doing for music. Right. Right. So at the time, our local school district had, um, it was an outsourced, they outsourced the substitute work um, because it's an ongoing problem to, to fill substitute right. slots. And yeah. I can't say to somebody, you're sick, you have to come into work. I mean, right. that's not how labor works so thankfully um but at the time they had outsourced this to a company that you could kind of put down different topics that you felt comfortable substitute teaching even if it wasn't your content area so I put things like English art Mm -hmm. you know if somebody left me a detailed lesson plan I could probably I could probably wing those things and then I also did music band choir and I and I think I put orchestra so they send you these jobs and there would be mornings where I would be checking in at like 530 in the morning because right. people wake up and they're sick and they're ill and they're deciding they don't want to go to work. And I didn't know, though, at the time, at least I don't think they informed you that if you did not accept. So you sign up for the areas that you want. You get sent the jobs in those areas for the day. And over a certain length of time, if you didn't accept a certain percentage of jobs, then they just boot you off the system. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that. And so I took every music job that came to me, or like most every music job that I had available to me over like maybe three or four months. And But I kept turning down the English and the art, and I was like, I don't really feel like doing that today. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> three months in, they're like, you know, the automated email comes to me. And I just at the time, I was just the sensitive graduate, new graduate, and I was like... <gasps> I'm being fired from my substitute teaching position, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I just, I don't know. I was really, and it was like 10 bucks an hour, right? you know, Um, and I think I pulled it, raked in like a grand total of $100 over the course of three months of work. I mean, it just was after taxes and that was maybe not worth my time, but I mean, it was a nice little insight into how things work. Yes. I got into different buildings and, um, 
different saw lesson plans and met different teachers. And uh-huh. once my name kind of got around as like an addict, not adequate, <laughs> it was more than adequate, <laughs> <laughs> but as someone who knew music and knew right. how to read music, yeah. right. And had a degree in music. Once my name kind of got around to a couple of people, you know, they started yeah, like, asking, there's a music you can request t- subs. Yes. Right. And yeah. so I don't know though. I just, I decided not to, I, I just decided to let it go. Cause yeah. at that point and I, I had had, um, I had been building up students in my private studio and, mm-hmm. and it worked, but I <laughs> just remember, you know, every morning waking up at five thirty, checking my email yeah. and seeing what opportunities awaited where me you, for the where day. Would go? <laughs> where would I go? Mm-hmm. So, well, you made it longer than I did. I went one time, <laughs> one time. So there was my first year of teaching, which was in the land of ass, ass loont is the name of the land town. Of ass. Yes, I call it Aslunt. And when I worked in Aslunt, <laughs> I I at one point had a room that was my classroom mm-hmm. and I was only half time teaching general music, so basically teaching the worst class in that you could possibly teach. What grade level? 6th, 7th and 8th. Yeah, I did that. Middle school. Middle school general music. General Exploratory music. Exploratory music. And then I was a paraprofessional okay. for a young woman who um, had cerebral palsy. Okay. For the other half of the day. So that part was delightful. I would go and work with work with her in the morning, help her take tests, help her, you know, navigate the school, all those things. That paid six dollars an hour. Oh. And yeah, no. Yeah, it was six. It was six dollars an hour. And then the other half of my my amazing salary <laughs> was to teach the general music class. And at first I had a room and I was right across from one of our good friends. And um, so that's how I met a really dear friend oh. uh, was that we worked across the hall from one another and Aslunt. Aslunt. Yeah. Anyway, so you can figure it out locals. We, Oh, so I, ha- I started out with a room. Then they moved me and I know I had to share a room and the room had the faculty restroom in it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> people would come in. I'd be teaching general music. I'm already in hell. I'm already in hell. I'm teaching middle school general music. And the coach would come through to take his shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you give him a congratulatory? I, Good job. <laughs> Good job. Good job, coach. Oh, my God. So then the whole room, I'm not kidding you, it often smelled like poop. Just my classroom smelled like poop to us, so where I just started referring it to as as the shit room. I was going to say, you were literally working in a shithole. It was just, it was such a terrible year. I gained 100 pounds. I am still working it off. It's been 20 years. I'm still working off the weight. I would go to Pizza Haas. Pizza. <laughs> how? H-A-U-S. Haas. Because that's how Pizza we Haas. make an Italian thing German. Yes. I would go to Pizza Haas and I would just order a pizza and I would just sit in my car and eat it over lunch break. Just shovel it in. Just, oh my God, it was so bad. Yeah. <sighs> Compulsive eating to numb out the pain that how was the shit room. How are you going to numb today? How are you going to numb today? You're going to eat a pizza. Yeah, so... There's lots of stories about me asking people to not come in directly in the middle of class to take a poop, but um, that was that was a rough year. Wow. And, yeah, you know, I'd say that tops me teaching in a trailer 
But you know, so many people have taught in a trailer. I was the last one on the left. Yeah. Like, like in a horror film, like the last trailer on the left. And you go outside, and it was like a literal quarter mile from <laughs> from my trailer to the copy room. Yeah. And so if I had yeah. to go to the bathroom, it was like a 20-minute affair, you know. There wasn't a bathroom in your trailer? Oh, no. Not oh. a working bathroom. Okay. Yeah. I had to phone into the office to have someone co- come in <laughs> and cover me. You just an outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, hey, put an outhouse back there by that music. By that music trailer. The whole room was an outhouse, I honestly. Yeah. And it was so f- not fire code compliant. <laughs> I just remember this one girl threw up in my classroom. Oh. And it was literally right in front of the exit. And this poor kid in a wheelchair. It was accessible, but I, it's not fire code compliant because okay. that was the only exit. And so... I, I'm making this up. Like, I know my codes. <laughs> Listen, what I know is it was against code. I what know I nothing know about codes. What I know is someone threw up in my room, and some poor kid in a wheelchair had to wheel right through it because it was the only exit to the room. And wow. that was, yeah. And I know that ain't no code. <laughs> well, that does make me wonder about codes and doors. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably ask my mother-in-law. She worked for the accessibility board, access board. But, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So things that we've done yeah. for, you know less pay I think that's partly just being in education and starting out too like I'm all about paying the dues yeah but there were just things that I think back on it now I think back on it now and if social media had existed then I mean that was the same place that the other teachers would refer to me as a dyke oh I mean it was in the year 2000 like god if I think now if I just had a, had my phone on me and how I could have recorded them talking about me in the teacher's lounge. Wow. You know what I mean? I'm so sorry you had to go through that. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was just like what everyone went through their first year of teaching until I talked with a friend from Kansas City. You know, I was like, no, I'm just the rookie, man. I get it. I'm the rookie in there, you know, teasing me. And they're like, me. no, people shouldn't No, be it was a really, just a really bad. And if I hadn't had a contract, I would have been outsies wow so it's a good thing they lock you down with that ball and chain Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) i will just say a thing about contracts too they don't mean shit i mean they do that's why we have them it's to verbalize the expectations but i mean i can't say i've ever broken a contract but um i've had people break contracts with me yeah definitely and it's yeah, a slap on the wrist. They're just like, we're going to do this. It's whatever. It's like, can I make a divorce joke about that? No, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I can say <laughs> that someone put an offer in our house and they pay the earnest money and then they decide they don't want the house and they get the earnest money back. I'm like, what is the point of earnest money? That's not I earnest. I thought that you didn't get that back. Oh. That's not earnest. If we let them, <laughs> if they say we want all of these changes made in the house and we come back and say, we'll make this, this, and this, and they say no, we have to let them out of that contract. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and okay. then they get the money back. But at, st- at the same time, it's it makes sense. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I'm gonna keep your money. Right. I, I right. don't you even didn't make get the it. money. Yeah, exactly. No, it's not. <laughs> you don't make that money. Speaking of making money, yes. I, after I actually, when I think about this, another thing I've done is non-musically is rent an Airbnb, and I stole mm-hmm. that idea from you. So yes. I rented out in my old residence. A lower level walkout basement bedroom, non conforming bedroom, with an attached laundry room, washer, dryer, and bathroom. Mm-hmm. Rented that out on Airbnb and HomeAway, which is, I want to say, now owned by Verbo Vac- Vacation Rentals yes. by owner. Um, and 
that was a hoot and holler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it started out really fine. Um, I started out simply and just, there's not even a, a real bed. There was not even a real bed in the room. There was a pull-out twin uh-huh. bed on a, on a little love seat. But they had that grand piano. But they had that grand <laughs> piano. Yep. I mean, Taking up three quarters of the room. This was my studio. So I rented it yeah. out on the weekends. Yeah. Right. I think I started out for like 50 or 60 bucks a night and got, you know, maybe a booking a month. Mm-hmm. And that was an easy, some easy money because sometimes people would stay for yeah. two nights. And, um, you know, it, I don't, I don't think it was a wash. I think after I invested in some basic supplies and things like cleaning supplies and sheets and yeah. extra pillows, um, you know, it was nice to have that extra income, but it all ended when I had to kick out some renters for smoking pot in my basement. Were they actually in the house? They were actually in the house because I could smell it coming up through the vents. And I'm like, honey, have you taken up a new hobby you didn't tell me about? <laughs> uh, hey, babe, and you he, smoke a pot back there? You hey blaze babe? one out? Because that's not, he doesn't do that. And I was like, you know that smell. We used to have Bro. roommates who would deal. Yeah. And um, as, as have we all. As we all, do we know. all. Exactly. People as showing up all. to the door, you know, every 20 minutes. Anyway. <laughs> Just going here for one thing and then leaving. Anyway, so I smelled it coming up through the vents. And yeah. I went around because, you know, I part of the thing is I don't go. There's like through the house. stairs. Yeah, right. there's stairs up to the upper level. But I would go. I went around, knocked on the door like it was not my own house. Right. <laughs> and they opened the door and they were I was really afraid they would retaliate. But I was just I just said, whatever you have going on in here. And I'm looking past their shoulder and right. it's sitting there out on the desk like wrappers and all. OK. And I said, what? Whatever you guys are doing here, you have to stop because I have an infant upstairs. At the yeah. time, I said I have an infant upstairs, and and they said, "Oh, okay, you know, we'll we'll." It was like a girl and her boyfriend. Still, though, who smokes in somebody else's house? You know, I have I, a story about that. I think that that she thought that it was going to be a different Airbnb, like a different because it was its own room. Okay, but the listing clearly stated, folks, no, that smoking. I would be upstairs on the premises, right? And yeah, and if you want to smoke, do it outside. Just go. That's what I don't understand. Like, if you want to, whatever, I'm not going to judge you. Right, I don't care. Right, but maybe not in my house. There is literally, and in my old place, there is the perfect space to do that. And I even put it on the instructions. If you want to smoke, smoke outside. What right. you're smoking, I don't care. Right. Just do it outside. Right. So they left for the day, and I get on the support with Airbnb, who handles everything very well on a Saturday, right? And I I did appreciate that because they they kicked them out. They I still knocked got, it all out for you. That's they awesome. knocked it all out yeah. for me. They, I got paid. Um, and yeah. And then I was just like, I don't want to deal with that anymore. I think if I felt like I could have charged a little bit more mm-hmm. than, you know, for a real bed or maybe more space or a, like right. a kitchen, then I would, I would say that that money would be worth it. But that kind of situation I didn't want to have to deal with because it took up the whole Saturday. Right. Like I, we had planned on going somewhere. So Blake had to go on his own cause I was afraid they were going to come back and like trash the place. Uh huh. And I was like, so Blake, no, I left and Blake stayed to make sure that nothing happened. Yeah. Um, to the space while they got out. But then I went downstairs to kind of clean up after them and they had tried to flush it. <laughs> Down the toilet? Down the, so I open up the toilet and it looks like kale. <laughs> <laughs> and why, that, why would you try and flush it? I took a picture of it and sent it to Airbnb and that I said, hilarious. if in the review process anything comes up, here's the proof that they were doing what they, what I said they were doing. So, right. Anyway, that was the 
<laughs> hardest earned sixty dollars I've ever made in my life. That's <laughs> so. Uh, my first wife. Um, so I guess that would be my first mother-in-law. But there weren't laws at the time because we got married in like two thousand two. So my first domestic partner's mother was a closet smoker and not so closet because you can't smoke inside a house and have it be in the like there's nothing closeted about that everyone can smell it so they came to visit and we all knew at her house she would go into the bathroom she'd go into the bathroom get in the bathtub light her cigarettes read her read her romance novels and just have her time in the bathroom in her bathroom (laughs) well they come to visit uh, she says, well, I'm going to go take a bath. I'm going to just take a bath. And and I'm like, she's not going to do what she does at her house when she takes a bath, right? Five minutes later, cigarette smell, smoke rolling out from my bathroom. <laughs> she's just in my tub smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Living her best life. Yeah, but I'm like, and you, that's when I was like, you don't say anything to your mother-in-law about her closet smoking. Oh, wow. And she would say things in public like how much she hated when people smoke cigarettes. Isn't that funny? And the way we... Do- Mm-mm. The way we disguise, try to disguise that, or I mean, people can see right through that. You can't, you can't disguise cigarette smoke. No, and you can't, <laughs> especially indoors. <laughs> like you're inside my bathroom. There's only one bathroom in the house. First of all, I know you're what my bathroom it, smells like. Yeah, you can just see smoke rolling out. Oh wow! Oh my god! Anyway, that's like a movie. It's funny. It was one of her like quirks, you know. Well, and it's funny to look back on it and laugh. It is funny. I can say it's funny that we had pot smokers in our basement and I had to kick them out. But at the time, it did not seem funny. It was probably not funny at all. It was no. not funny. It no. was frustrating. But, yeah, so that's how we whored ourselves out. There's some whoring things. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> <laughs> now you know I went and spat on that building. Like, when I finally left Aslute, why well, I had to go back and just spit on the building. Because it just... The, just I can I feel like I can still smell the shit from that room. Okay. Oh, yeah. I and I feel like I can still smell the mold from where I taught adjunct for f- several years. Okay. There's our nice segue. segue. Yeah, it was bad. <clears throat> Bring us nicely back into it. I tried. <laughs> I can smell the shit and I can smell the mold. Okay. We're going moving into the next. Let's just start off by saying what kind of work we did. What kind of what kind of adjunct work have you done? I have taught private lessons, voice lessons, and piano lessons. I have taught uh, class piano. I have taught music theory. I have accompanied four classes and co-taught performance technique classes. I've taught musical theater classes, uh, performance technique classes. I have also done all the pit work. Just like, hearing you say that. <laughs> the pit work. All the pit work. All my pit work. lifted up my arm. Yes. All the armpit work. Okay, you've done a lot more than I have. I've... I'm thinking that that is the breadth of it. Okay. And then led a ton of bands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, or like pits, I guess is what you call them, but they're right. not pits. You would be the trios. band. You have done band master work, yes. basically. Yes. Right. Okay. And we're encompassing this to just be adjunct in the sense that it is something that we taught in a higher, an institution of higher learning. I was not loved long time. Okay. <laughs> That's what I know. <laughs> right. I was not loved full time. Okay. So for me, I've done, I haven't done that, the scope of that work. I've done voice lessons and piano lessons, music entrepreneurship courses. Mm-hmm. 
and college level music appreciation Mm -hmm. for mainly adults, most of whom were older than me because it was an evening class. Okay. Like a, not distance learning. It was in person, but it was an evening music appreciation class that started at, I want to say 7.30 or 8 and went until 10.30. That is so hard. It wasn't horrible though because it was very condensed. Okay. They, it was eight weeks. So it it might've even been six weeks. It wasn't a full semester. And because it started so late, I would finish teaching this music appreciation course because it started so late and I it was like a 30 or 35 minute commute. I would finish teaching at like 6.30 or 7, grab a dinner, eat it on the way. Uh-huh. And then it was something that I could do at night that just didn't, it didn't interfere with my studio teaching. Right. I feel like every, every work that I do that I choose to take on, I have to weigh it against the benefits of my studio income because that Always. income is so solid it's my bread and butter yep and it never goes away even in a global pandemic people want want music lessons and even in the middle of a recession people wanted music lessons so i'm so grateful about it i am too yeah all the time music appreciation and then music entrepreneurship at my alma mater which that was an experience Mm -hmm. and um i guess i have broken contract oh yeah you have Mm -hmm. you have yeah and I, can talk I forgot a little, about that. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. And so. Great things about adjunct. Okay. Nobody owns you. That's right. You still make your own decisions. No faculty meetings. Mm-hmm. For the most, well, <laughs> once you put up the boundary that you're not going to attend because you don't get paid enough to do that shit. Right. Then you don't have to go to the faculty meetings. And that's as a part-time teacher in a public school system, too. I had to draw those boundaries yeah. and say, I'm sorry, but these parent-teacher conferences interfere with my other paying job. Right. <laughs> and um, great things about adjunct. Having access to a space and really getting to use it, yes. um, you know, as yes. administration allowed, which most of the time they didn't mind. You know, you we know could they empty my trash. they empty my trash can. That's so that was nice. so nice in my office. Aww. So I'd have my orange and my coffee and all my stuff, and then I'd come back the next day, and it was like, God, our custodians do such good work. Aww. It just felt so nice to have my trash can emptied. You know, I was tuning recently in in an old office, or mm-hmm. I was tuning a piano in an office of a mutual friend of ours who no longer works at this institution of higher learning. And I just... There was something so forlorn about it because it was actually an office that I used to visit for private lessons mm. long, long, long time ago. And, um, but there were still just a couple remnants of this person. Aww. Yeah, just a couple pinups of like a syllabus up on a bulletin board and like a pen or pencil or like yeah. a post it with a little note on it. And when I left, I was like, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a song about that or a poem uh-huh. about that. Um, but they do. They clean up after you. It's, it's really <laughs> yeah. neat to have an office that you're not the person that cleans your own house because you're working in your house. Right. Because someone who works in my house and has for 20 years, it's really neat. When That was a really neat thing for that. And honestly, a bigger perk to me than uh, than anything else about adjunct teaching. Just having the Just space. having the office space. Yeah. Yeah. And especially... Great. Just because I know the place that you're talking about, those office spaces are really beautiful. They're beautiful. Tall, like 15-foot ceilings. Maybe not 15-foot. They're, they're tall, tall ceilings and big, tall windows that yeah. overlook a quad with beautiful fall foliage. and Historic like, it's properties. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. And, you know, I can't say I ever had, like, 
a beautiful office like that, but I did like having access to a space, a performance space, mm-hmm. and then oh, kind of the having that space. Yeah. yeah, and then just having the built-in support of students and faculty. Uh, you know, anytime I had a performance, if it I could use the space on campus, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was an automatic kind of plugged audience yep. that would just kind of walk into that. Um, and I had some great. I worked with some great people over the years. My co- that's the other thing I miss. My colleagues. I miss the people that I worked with. Yeah. Except for the ones that I don't miss working with at all. (laughs) So working as an adjunct in when you are surrounded by, as the case might be, surrounded by people who are whose full time job it is to be there. um, I got to say a lot of my work in various appointments has just been rolling with it. Uh-huh. Sometimes showing up and not knowing, A, if I'm going to have a room to teach in. Um, B, not knowing what the schedule is some semesters and just kind of either drawing the boundary and saying I need to know by X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of boundary drawing, I think. And I've been in various situations, various levels of organization in various appointments. Mm-hmm. So one appointment that I've worked in, even within the same um, – even within the same institution, super organized. I knew when I was going to be getting paid. Mm-hmm. I knew how much I would be getting paid. You know, gratefully, there was a contract involved with that. But I knew where everything was. I knew the protocols and expectations. I was handed a handbook, and they didn't expect, like, the moon in terms of training. I think it was just, like, you know, one kind of faculty orientation. And they they, they worked with almost a 100% adjunct faculty and Mm -hmm. so they had it down to a science okay they really had everything down to the science they hand you the handbook that has everything updated and you go and read it on your own and if you have questions you ask them and you kind of just show up to your room and do your stuff and eight weeks later cash out okay um i've been in the opposite scenario where you know like i'd show up and not know which which room i would be teaching a private voice lesson in um and I don't know. I think that I think adjunct teaching, you just have to be a bit of a freewheeler. And that's really hard for somebody who's like my over anxious, over planning personality, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just not even knowing really if, if your appointment will be continued in the very next semester. Right. Or knowing how it's going to change if you're going to have five students one semester and 25 students the next. Uh, right. And, you know, because I know that you've been asked to take on that amount of work as a part-time faculty. Yes. And then t- you should talk about that. At not one, but two different colleges. Where Yeah, yeah two. Where it was, well, you're going to start with five voice lessons. All right. That's a morning, morning out of my house. Not teaching at my house today. Look at me. Right. Got it. Either empty my trash can. Things are good. <laughs> got my orange. I got my orange teas. Anyway, um... <laughs> And then the next semester, it's, hey, you've got 18, and you show up to that. And you're like, okay, hold on, though. Now I'm now I'm suddenly teaching nine hours over here. Mm-hmm. Physically, I have to be over here for nine hours. Right. Right, because 18 divided by two mm-hmm. is nine hours. Right. That's <laughs> so, two students an hour. Right. <laughs> I can math. Exactly. So you're just like, wow, I'm, I'm going to be over here nine hours. Oh, now you want 27. Oh. And... 27 10 of them students? 10 of them are hour-long lessons oh 
And that's not a full-time appointment. And that's not a full-time appointment. At the end of it, that is where, you know, where is our line as adjunct teachers? Because that is so much work. It is so much that work. That is a full-time job that they're asking you to do for $18,000 a year. Which, yes. fine, we're grateful for the money. That's not the point. In this instance, it was $16,000 a year. Because we're talking about $8,000 for the whole semester. Wow. In that particular instance. Wow. And a guitar class. Which is not your instrument. <laughs> it's like <laughs> teaching with guitar, though. So it's like how to use a guitar in a classroom. Okay. So like... Here's some chords. Guitar and... techs kind of thing. Yeah. Someone else was teaching them how to play. I was going to teach them how to use it as a teaching tool, I guess. Okay. That was what I understood. Anyway, I was very grateful to be offered the work. I was super grateful that that the dean trusted me with that. But that's beside the point. But I also cried myself to sleep that night. Because you knew that's not sustainable work and you were at a crossroads as to whether or not you were going to continue with that or turn it down and they'll just find somebody because that's the culture you of are disposable you're disposable you're disposable and you know who's not disposable my mom mm. you know and the idea that I don't get to see her because I've lost all my freedom because I have to be on campus for five days a week now right and not make enough money to live on right and so I can't go visit her because I'm teaching full-time basically and I on the weekends it's too anyway so that's that was yeah. my bottom line where it's like I'm doing something for ego because right. I want to be I want to be at a college I want to be working with that level of student I enjoy the resources the I enjoy the con all the things we talked about mm -hmm. and then really when it comes down to it it's no different than teaching out of my home because I am that product yep the product is me and if we're talking about things that we're buying and selling here, like that right. is who I am and I can do that work anywhere. Right. And it doesn't matter if my internal ego wants to be able to say, what do you do for a living? I teach at a college. It's so much easier than I teach private music lessons. Oh, that's sweet. Right. You know, it out just, of your living room. And I, I think <laughs> other people <laughs> out, out of my living room, no, sometime no, no, no. on my deck during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that, and this speaks to the, our other topic that we had eventually wanted to broach, but I think would be a through line in everything that we discuss, and that is setting down achievement. To mm -hmm. me, the I just remember yearning, and I wanted so bad to be to have an adjunct appointment mm -hmm. because it was that stamp was that stamp other people approval. see that line on a resume, and it's validation for me, and it's validation for other people, and. I don't think as a society, you know, it's changed maybe some in the last six years, but until people actively start setting that aside, which I realize is a privilege, that not, that won't change. Like nothing has changed in the adjunct field. If anything, it's worse it's because worse. colleges can take a full-time position and splice it up and um, put, you know, just redistribute workloads, mm -hmm. quote unquote, build them up on other people and then um, take what was once a full-time position and give it to two adjunct faculty who will, and it costs a college $15,000 less Yep, minus benefits. So, yeah. you know, I don't think as a society we're there yet. Things might change in 20 years, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be there for it. It's the conversation, you know, because part of this for me is both of my parents were collegiate educators and I grew up around the dinner table talking about collegiate faculty meetings and I just get it. I get the the atmosphere, I get the vibe, I like it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it is not it is not who I am. Right. And so it just comes down to that thing of when I dad and I talk about it, when my father and I talk about this, it's always like it's not the academia that you were in. Mm-hmm. And I, it's hard for me to tell him that and for him to understand it because he he had an associate professorship without a PhD. Mm-hmm. He did all the work, so all but dissertation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, he did that work, and he went back to school for it and all of that stuff. But it, he didn't have to in order to have his job security. He had built right. a huge band program. He did all the professional organizations. He did all the things. Mm-hmm. Big Al did all the things as a band director. And it's just... Academia is not what it was even when I started school. I was in school, right. Right, and I I went to school from 2004 to 2012. Mm -hmm. And during that time, especially with the recession, I mean, academia changed so much. Yep. You know, um, I I feel very lucky to have left school with less than $40,000 in loans. Right. And that's just not the case anymore, and every place requires a bachelor's degree to Mm -hmm. work. Um, I shouldn't say that. Most places are requiring that now. It's like the high school degree mm-hmm. that it was 20 years ago. It's like the equivalent now. You know what I mean? In Columbia. In Columbia, Where Missouri. 85, it's like 85% of us have um, a bachelor's a higher, and then a there's a higher ed too. Right? right. And I have a pretty big chip on my shoulder about my schooling. And we can talk about that in another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not what it was. No, it's, it's not. not. And that in describing that to, you know, my folks has been tricky. I have to say that t- setting down that achievement part of it and kind of talking about that piece of it, um, it was even like a little other notch in my belt for my ego that I was teaching at a college without a master's degree. Mm-hmm. That I went over and did that without having that work done. And how did you do that? Um, I did that because I had a very specific skill set that they needed. Which was what? Which was to be able to play and sing at the same time. Yeah. Right? I had more than one thing. You were double duty to them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, anyway, for me, that ego piece and setting that down was really like, there's something that, I can't remember, was it a poem you wrote? Where it's like a degree Just won't. Just a piece of paper. Where you're like, the degree won't bring you soup. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Do you know what I'll share about? that poem. Yeah. I'll, I'll record it and tack it on. To yeah, this. where it's like a degree won't bring you soup and it won't hug you right. in the end of the night. And it's that's not going to tuck you in. And I have the piece of paper. I went back and got my master's degree. It was brutal. It was brutal. Um, yeah, it's just a gauntlet yeah. of shit that you have to go through. And yeah. I, that's not to discourage anybody from doing it or any, if that's your dream, do it. Right. I just, I think it's like, it's almost like getting your master's or even your PhD is not to, it's, <laughs> I dare say that it's not, it's for yourself. Yeah. Like it's not really even, unless you have dreams of going into academia and you need to get a PhD for that, that's right. really what it's for. You know right. what I mean? Well, and I did, you know, I enjoyed the research element of mm-hmm. ac- of my master's so much yeah. that I was like, oh, I want to, I do want to go get my PhD. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to move to Tampa. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go, so I'm not going to do it here. <laughs> I'm not going to do my PhD here in Missouri. Okay. Like, no. Um, mainly because I 
I want to be in a sunshine environment. Like I'm not sure. going to go back for five years of school and do it where there's not sunshine every day. Or I want to live it. in the sunshine state, right? <laughs> anyway, right, right, right. So I did. I really did. And then I had to get down again to the core. What mm-hmm. are you wanting? Not that. Yeah. And even though it's just so hard, it's so hard sometimes because I feel like, especially I've been on what we've talked about before, the ladder. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're going, we're on the ladder and the ladder leads to nowhere, but your own happiness. What ladder are we climbing? What are your rungs? And I still remember that conversation that we had about the ladder just years and years ago before we even really knew each other's stories. But the uh-huh. more I learned about you, the more I kind of like feel like I was you 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. a 10 years in the past because you had already learned, you know, or you had already gone through the experience of, of questioning what what is academia doing for me? What is this right. position doing for me? Right. And if it's having that stamp and that seal of approval as a freelance musician, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't bring you um, peace or contentment or joy. Like if you enjoy adjunct teaching and it works for you, right. just like any job. I think for me and for my husband, we had this conversation the other day where Blake said, man, I just love where we are right now. I feel like, I feel oddly at at like content like I'm not working my ass off all the time mm-hmm. because we we've really hustled for 10 years right and um 10 years plus and but he's come to a point where he's and I said you mean like and I keep telling this I you know for months and months now I'm saying I've told him I want you to work to live not live to work uh-huh. I want you to enjoy your job but I only want you to work as much as we really need to right and that that I'm discovering is my ladder you know, I work and do the things because at the end of the day, yes, we're freelance musicians and we can make money doing making music or doing related things. Um, but tuning is still a day job for me. Uh huh. My studio is still um, it's still my day job. Right. My real work is creating. And those things are just the legs that creating stands on. That's exactly right. And I, that's what I've discovered. And so yes. I don't have to. And I think for a long time, too, making a lot of money as a as a freelance musician was the the what I thought was the rung. But it's not. It's making enough to fund my next album. <laughs> Amen to that. It's making enough to fund your next album. Or for me, it's making enough of, you know, finally saying I don't have to take everything that is offered. I make enough because I make enough doing this thing that I also love, which is teaching. I love teaching. Mm -hmm. I love working with kids. I love working with adults. I love it. I love doing that. I get, I guess what I'm I'm trying to say is with teaching, I'm so grateful for it, but I finally said to myself, I don't have to do it every hour that I possibly can though. Right. I am allowed to only take so many students because that's the amount of money I want to make, and it's okay to cap that. Just like if you were to work, be working a full-time job, it is okay to leave your job at work when you're done. Yes. Just like it is okay if your job goes from 7 to 3 or 4 or 5, you end work at 5. And I haven't been doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been like, oh, I can squeeze in another student here, and I can squeeze in another gig here. And I was just taking on more and more and more, and then surprised that I'm burnt out, mm-hmm. and surprised that, you know, I'm not fulfilled, yeah. you know? and that really had to do with that extra load that is adjunct. That's the tipping edge. It was not about my private studio. It was mm-hmm. not about the gigs. It wasn't about any of that. It was about me tipping over the, the day cup. 
uh-huh. of being over at a university for two or three mornings. And then I looked around. I'm like, I am working so much and I'm not making that much more money because <laughs> the pay is so terrible right. with adjunct. Yeah. It's like $11, 11 to $17 a lesson, which, which is really not what you make when you mm, private teach. No, and it's not what faculty members make per no. course or per student and full-time faculty, I should say. Um, yeah, and I, I told you the story about how recently I, I um, secured a contract to tune 10 pianos mm-hmm. at, a, at an institution of higher learning, and I texted you when I was in there tuning in a classroom that I knew you had taught in and just saying this is haha this is the most money I know I'm going to make when I've been offered so many other small part-time off-the-cuff things with them yeah. and I just know that because they hour, have to pay for that service they have to yes <laughs> yes they do well they don't have I to I just got the bitterness bubbling up in my heart right now <laughs> bitter soup oh, just, oh god <laughs> she's but I it's the truth yeah oh. So that's, I will say letting go of the achievement piece is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was awesome when I released this album that I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to pre-save it on Spotify. I'm not, I don't care. You're like, I made this and I'm just putting it out there. And I'm if you want to post on my to personal it, Facebook page, I made an album. If you'd like to buy it, contact me. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> I will say I will have a link for that next time instead of it just being my personal PM. Um, Send me a message. Yeah. And I did, you know, some people I've shipped them CDs and they haven't paid me. And I'm like, I don't care. My music is out in your car. I hope, I hope you're listening to it. That's good. And that is like the place. And a lot of people have paid me. Yes. Yes. No, I know. That is the place that we should strive to be. It's not, my creativity is not carrying the burden of, of making money. Because that strangles it. I think that having to make money strangles your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of us have to. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are content creators or people who create things are doing that. But I think it's really hard to put that burden on it. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I just remember the one year, the one contract I did break. Um, And I'll just give a tiny bit of background. I won't go too much into it. But... I had agreed to do a certain set of duties um, and at the time was was going through some major pain issues, ended up needing to have surgeries in both knees, um, but I was overworking myself and mm-hmm. that was one of many appointments that year and we get we got to spring break of the academic year and I just said, I don't think I can finish out the year. I'm yeah. in too much pain. Um, these are my goals. This position does not align with that. and. In all honesty, I knew, I knew that the second I stepped out, it could be filled. If, yeah. if it was the kind of appointment where I just knew that, um, that I really needed to see it through, mm-hmm. I, I just, I had to make that choice. I had to. <laughs> it was, I was thinking about the summer that you and I went on tour together. Woo! And I knew that when I turned down the adjunct um, appointment for a summer um, theater company, I turned it down because I called you, I think. I was like, are we really going on tour? Because if we're not, I'm going to take this gig, right. you know, because it's a lot of money. And knowing that I would talk to you and that I would call them, tell them I couldn't do it, and they were going to call you. Did I they rem- call me? And they called you. I don't and remember And I remember this. Oh my God. being like, I'm going to tell them. 
that I'm not going to do this. And then they're going to call Robin and then they're going to go to the person I recommended. That is so funny. Because I, I did not recommend you. I didn't recommend you for that job because okay. I knew you were going on tour. That is so funny because that must have been so insignificant to me. I must have been really excited about tour because they were like, do you want to do? I don't remember that. Yeah. They must have asked me and I must have been like, fuck no. I'm I doing my own thing. You were. And I knew. I just, it was so crazy. I'm like, I'm so disposable that it's going to happen in the same day. Wow. And it did. Oh, my God. Like, I left, you were asked, and then someone else that we know is asked. And then I see on Facebook in the same day, my friend's like, I'm so excited. I got this job over at this college doing this pit stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's so funny because it's like you're telling me this for the first time. And I'm like, I was a part of that narrative. <laughs> yes. Oh, and wow. I knew I would never be asked again. And that was that. See, that's the other terrifying, not terrifying, but I've come to terms with the culture of disposability and adjunct teaching. And that is that I know that if I say I need a semester off, I will never come back. Yes. And not because I don't want to, but because I'm, I'll be replaced and that will be the new person there. And that happened once as well. And, um, you know, that's just how it is. I got to tell you, I mean, this is, I'm going deep now. You ready to deep dive? Yep. That feeling of disposability leaves me feeling worthless and that has been something that I have had to now rebuild in myself Mm. after leaving academia yeah I am rebuilding the little wounded bird that was told for years by everyone in that establishment Mm -hmm. you are replaceable you are disposable wow and I didn't realize how much I had owned it until I let go of it all together wow and was like Oh God, like I've, I've got a little wounded heart with this. I just, when you said little wounded bird, I just had this image of a, <laughs> like a little, a little <laughs> bird, like a naked bird that didn't have his neck quite <laughs> developed, like skeletal. I don't know. But yeah, anyway. I absolutely agree. And I think that it really did number on me. Yeah. And I'm super grateful that in my life right now, it is not something I have to take on. I know there are a lot of people that have to. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm grateful I don't have to. And I, again, I think there's also places that are more emotionally healthy. Yeah. In particular, my last adjunct job was very emotionally healthy. Great. I felt very different about that one than my my other three. Yeah. But at the same time, they see, I mean, they sh- I shouldn't say they see, there's a level of comfort and then there's a, a maybe a push to a boundary, a push to mm-hmm. an, an unseen cliff and that is that they're like, we love you so much that we want you to do all this extra work. We want you here more and more, but we cannot pay you for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> every, no matter. Sorry, girl. Right. And no matter where you go, I shouldn't say that that problem is exclusive to music or adjunct teaching. Yeah. Someone will always be trying to get something for nothing. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I mean that in like the sense of the efficiency, like who can we get, who can really nail this job and what can we afford for that job? Yeah. And when there's a disconnect there, that's where the, the bitterness starts bubbling, right? Yeah. And if you know that you can only, you get what you pay for if you have these appointments, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. So you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Yes, indeed. Well, it won't change until people start setting aside, setting it down and saying mm-hmm. no. And, and also not wearing their, um, their busyness like a badge of honor and for musicians essentially too 
that's not to say that you aren't if you're a successful musician and you're gigging all the time and you're taking all this adjunct work that you aren't successful right. at it. You can be really good at that. And if that's what you want, then do that. But I just at some that one year, the one year I broke a contract and the only contract I've ever broken, mm-hmm. um, I wore my busyness like a badge of honor until I couldn't physically get dressed in the morning and then I was wearing nothing right (laughs) then I was naked I was naked at work yeah so busyness is a badge of honor I feel like could be a whole episode because I have so many things to say about it first of all but I just um hello pandemic if that's not a whole good pandemic topic of like and now everything's off the map what are you doing now yeah Yep. And then we're back to numbing. And then how are you going to numb? Full circle. How are you going to numb? <laughs> yeah. I'm Audra Sergal. And I'm Robin Anderson. Thanks. Bye. Sing from the rafters. Life, love, and laughter. Musicians dish. Trophies. No piece of paper can preach kindness. No certificate will bring you soup or offer coffee on a cold day. No scholarship or schooling shows you how to show up. No degree will feed you or teach you to follow through with friends who need you. No resume will remember your birthday. Awards won't care for kids and plaques just hang on walls, waiting to be cleaned. What are trophies anyway, really?